You might have heard cases like the Zodiac Killer or Jack the Ripper, who famously threatened police with letters. These murderers not only committed heinous crimes, but also sent cryptic messages to law enforcement, almost as if they were playing games and boasting about their crimes. And similarly, Asia has its own intriguing case of this nature. Today's case comes from Delhi, India, specifically from Harinagar town. Let's delve into the case of Chandra Kancha, the Delhi butcher. On the morning of October 20, 2006, Sundar Singh Yadav, an assistant commissioner with the Delhi police, received an unexpected phone call at 6.30 a.m. Thinking it might be from an officer needing backup, he answered the anonymous call. And to his surprise, the caller, speaking calmly and with clear words, informed Yadav that he had left a body near Gate 3 of Tihar Jail. Yadav couldn't just ignore it as a prank call, especially when the caller mentioned that the policeman on duty nearby hadn't noticed his gift. Without hesitation, Yadav contacted the police station to verify if there was indeed a body in the area. And soon after, the head constable at the station reported finding a basket wrapped in cloth. He confirmed to Yadav that there was a suspicious basket near the gate. The officers on the scene gathered to open the basket and inside, wrapped tightly and emitting this foul smell, was a body of a man, naked and beheaded, encased in multiple layers of newspapers and plastic. This horrific discovery shocked them, but they quickly turned their attention to a letter found within the basket. The letter was full of angry rants at the Delhi police. The writer expressed intense anger, claiming that he had been wrongfully imprisoned and mistreated by the jail guards. He also mentioned leaving a body for the police back in 2003, but he called them useless because they didn't do anything about it. After a series of angry comments toward the police, the man challenged them to find him threatening that this wouldn't be the last time he would send these gifts and that there would be more. The letter was signed with the initials CC. About two hours later, not giving the police much time to react, the anonymous caller phoned again to check if the police had started investigating the body. When asked about his reason for doing this, the caller simply said he was badly abused by head constable Babir Singh. And when the police lost their patience and became angry, the caller just hung up. After some investigation, the police discovered that the first call was made from Nangal Raya, and the second call came from Tilaknagar. Officers sent to the Tilaknagar area asked the owner of a public payphone if anyone had used it that morning. And to their surprise, the owner remembered that only one person has used it and could recall how this man looked like. The police gathered as much description as they could, feeling that this was their first real step ahead of the murder. 
But still, solving the case was a long and challenging journey because in India at that time, finding unidentified dead bodies wasn't unusual, and many of these cases often went unresolved. This almost became the fate of most bodies found randomly because there were usually no leads to help the police. On April 25th, 2007, Sir Yadav received a call from an officer in Harinagar. He informed him that there was another body. Yadav immediately headed to the scene and found it crowded with reporters, bystanders, and police near where the first body was discovered. This time, the body was in a sack, tightly tied with a rope. The condition of the body was even more gruesome than before. It was decapitated, and its legs and arms were missing. Shortly after this discovery, Yadav received another call from a patrol team, reporting that some body parts were found at Tiz Hazari Court. The case became more serious and horrifying, and the media widely reported this crime along with the previously leaked letter. People were terrified, knowing that an active, brutal serial killer was on the loose, and the police had no leads on where to start. And not even a month later, on May 18th, 2007, another body was found at the exact same location next to Gate 3. It appeared that the murderer had a signature method of decapitating victims to hinder identification, especially since DNA matching technology wasn't as advanced as it is today. But this time, the police found something extra: a letter, three pages long, was neatly tucked alongside the body. Similar to the previous letter, it began with a barrage of angry comments towards the police, expressing his deep dissatisfaction with the authorities. At the end of the letter, the killer seemed to treat this whole situation as a game or his hobby. He mentioned feeling the need to kill at least eight people a year to be satisfied. He even told the police to publicize the letter in the media and offer a large reward. For his capture, it was clear to everyone that this person was killing for enjoyment and was likely to strike again soon. With a sense of urgency, a special investigation team was formed, combining forces from the West, Northwest, and Northeast Delhi police districts. These officers disguised themselves as ordinary citizens and reached out to informants in the area for help. This was a time when undercover work was crucial for the police because CCTV and other monitoring technologies were still very limited. There was this inspector named Narendra Pelwan. He was out on his own looking for leads when one of his informants contacted him. The informant revealed that a doctor in Azadpur had been treating a man matching the description of the killer. So, without hesitation, Narendra immediately called Yadav and another officer to join him in Azadpur. When they arrived at the doctor's office, Yadav and his team posed as regular clients. They quickly revealed their true identities to the unsuspecting doctor and explained their real purpose. And surprisingly. Just after they introduced themselves, the phone rang, and the doctor confirmed it was the man they were looking for. Everything unfolded so rapidly that Narendra decided to take the doctor into custody for further questioning. Questioning the doctor turned out to be a major breakthrough. He provided the police with crucial information about their suspect. 
The doctor identified the man as Chandrakan Jha, a 40-year-old man with five daughters. When the police questioned how he was so sure that this man was the murderer, the doctor revealed that he had long been aware of Chandrakan's violent tendencies and criminal record. And in fact, the doctor had once caught Chandrakant, almost killing his brother-in-law. Who was Chandrakant Jha, and how did he become one of India's most notorious serial killers? Chandrakant Jha was originally from Bihar and had moved to Gosai village in 1980 with five siblings. The details of his family life were unclear, but psychologists theorized that he had a strained relationship with his parents. Chandrakant himself claimed that his parents never paid attention to him, leading to deep-seated resentment that lasted until he left home to fend for himself. In 1990, Chandrakant arrived in Delhi and took on various odd jobs to make ends meet. Like many migrants from Bihar, he was often only offered labor work, as Bihari migrants were typically viewed as belonging to a lower social group. At times, Chandrakant also sold vegetables to support his wife and children, the small family he had established in Delhi. Unfortunately, his endeavors faced constant hurdles, particularly from the police who often mistreated him and demanded money. Chandra, like other Bihari migrants, was part of a sort of labor association led by a man named Pandit. This association was supposed to create a better working environment for Bihari laborers, but the reality was different. Pandit often cut their pay, either to hand over to the police or for his own use. Chandra strongly objected to this practice. At one point, Chandra confronted Pandit, demanding his full pay. This led to an argument that escalated when Pandit hit Chandra. This dispute quickly became physical and others hesitated to intervene because of the intensity of the fight. And in the heat of the moment, Chandra holding a knife accidentally cut Pandit's arm. The police arrested only Chandra as Pandit had more influence. And surprisingly, they also arrested Chandra's wife who wasn't even involved in the incident. Prison life profoundly impacted Chandra. It seemed something inside him just broke. The lack of affection from his parents, society's disdain, and the police's disrespect had deeply affected his mental state. After his release, he and his wife lived separately. The reason for the separation wasn't clear, but it might have been to protect his family from getting involved in any more incidents. Back to the current investigation, the team learned from the doctor that he had been in regular contact with Chandra. Realizing this, they decided to examine the call records. They noticed that one number was used frequently and was the same number that called the doctor when the officers were in his office. This number was traced to a location around Alipur. So the team quickly set out for Alipur, meticulously combing the area. They spoke with locals, but were careful not to mention that they were conducting a murder investigation. Then they recalled the information from the doctor's brother-in-law about Chandrakant owning a cart with a motor engine for commuting. Investigator Narendra's heart began racing when he saw a motor cart parked in front of a house he was near. He signaled to his team and rushed into the house. Chandrakant was apprehended after a brief struggle. He appeared ordinary, 
medium built, the fact that he could be just another passerby in everyday life made the situation even more unsettling. Chandrakant was disturbingly candid. He recounted his crimes without hesitation or attempts to fabricate lies. He revealed that his victims were people he had previously helped. He took them in, treated them like family, and even shared meals with them. Most were part of a group of thieves who helped him in stealing sacks of vegetables from trucks to sell later. But his generosity had its limits. If someone he helped did something he disapproved of, he would become enraged and kill them. His first victim, Anil Mandal, had been living with him and shared meals with him for some time. But Mandal was dishonest, secretly taking money from him and, against his wishes, dating his daughter. Enraged, Chandrakant lured Mandel to his place, tied him up, strangled him to death, and then decapitated him. His second victim, named Upender, was someone he had taken in out of pity, allowing this man to share his food. But Upender's behavior somehow disturbed him. He murdered Upender using the same method as before, but went a step further by dismembering the body and scattering the limbs in different places. The third victim was a younger man named Dalip. Chandrakant had taken him in, but after only 16 days, he grew tired of his habit of lying. Following the same method of murder and dismemberment, Chandrakant also mentioned that he would throw the heads of his victims into the Yamuna River to cleanse their sins. He also confessed to four other murders, those of Pandit in 1998, Sekar in 2003, Umesh in 2003, and Gudu in 2005. The interrogation room was tense as everyone absorbed this chilling confessions, but a confession alone wouldn't guarantee a conviction. Chandrakant could easily retract his statements. They needed solid evidence linking him to the murders. The investigation team, accompanied by Chandrakant, went to the Yumuna River, where he claimed to have disposed of the heads. The search area was littered with trash and infested with mosquitoes, and despite hours of searching the murky water, they found nothing. They then speculated that stray dogs might have brought the heads to the surface, so they expanded the search on land. And eventually, an officer found a skull wrapped in plastic. But needing more evidence, the investigators urged the killer to cooperate. Chandrakrant finally agreed to lead the investigators to his home. His one-room flat was grim, humid, and reeked of decay. In the dimly lit room, the police noticed three large knives in the corner, each stained with blood, which was also smeared on the floor. Blood splatters were visible on the walls and other areas of the floor. They found the phone he had used to call the doctor, confirming it was the same number. And perhaps the most chilling discovery was a camera and a collection of photographs. Chandra seemed to have a fascination with photographing the victims while they were still alive, capturing images of them tied and gagged like animals awaiting slaughter. These disturbing photographs provided the police with a strong case to finally charge him with the murders. Chandrakant Jha was charged with eight murders, but only three were conclusively proven. 
In 2013, the New Delhi Sessions Court convicted him for murders of Mandal, Upender, and Dalip. He initially received two death sentences and life imprisonment, but after an appeal, his sentence was reduced to life imprisonment. Known as the Butcher of Delhi, Chandrakant Jai is now serving his sentence in Tihar Jail. He requested parole in January 2022, but was denied. But recent news indicated that he was granted a 90-day parole last year in August, supposedly to assist his daughter in selecting a groom. The story of Chandrakant Jai is a complex one, leaving us to think whether it's a tale of a person molded into a monster by his surroundings and experiences, or if he was a dormant danger that eventually surfaced in a terrifying way. Regardless of the underlying causes, one tragic truth stands out. The victims did not deserve such a brutal end. And with that, we close this dark chapter. That's all for today, and as always, thanks for watching.